Hey, you are listening to the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. Opportunities for them are endless. Mm-hmm. And, and the, what they create affects the community. They will make sure we will never forget the good about what all of our cultures share together. We can't have an industrialized set of standards for students. We need to keep teaching them on their own inquiry level. From, you know, my teenagers, it became my passion. Like, I need to get back to that school and make it a safe place for kids to learn. I always want my students to understand both perspectives. Um, be in the middle. Don't just listen to something and, and jump to conclusions right away. Do your research, do your homework, and listen. Here's your host, Josh Rapoon. Hey, everybody. This is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast series. We're here today with Kui Gapero, who is a middle school teacher at Kamehameha Schools, Maui. Um, today is August 24th, 2019, and it's super exciting to be having this conversation with you. Welcome, Kui. Hey, mahalo. Mahalo nui. So, Kui, I want to I come out of the gate uh, by talking about your strengths, because you provided me with some information uh, from uh, your website that talks a lot about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go to some lengths to describe your strengths and even your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So I guess two questions. One is, why did you decide to put that sort of front and center for people to know? Um, and then can you talk a little bit about those strengths and about mm-hmm. those weaknesses? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, I really just took that test maybe a couple weeks ago. Um, one of my colleagues, my coworker, she, um, she does this exercise with her class, with her students. So she shared with me. And so I took the test and she's like, no, I guarantee you're, you're, you're this uh, collaborator, you know, this kind of person. And so I took the test and it, and it showed me that, you know, I like to mediate, you know, I like to be in that person or be in the middle and kind of just connect with both sides, see both sides of the picture and, um, for me, I think that's important because that's exactly what I do in my class. Um, I always want my students to understand both perspectives. Um, be in the middle. Don't just listen to something and, and jump to conclusions right away. Do your research, do your homework, and listen. And, you know, I felt it's it's necessary for me to share that information, um, whoever looks at my page, um, just to kind of put a better picture of, of who I am personally. Um, some people might relate. Some people, I put the link there for, for people to take the quiz themselves. And right. it's just a, a topic starter. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. room for discussion. I actually just recently did, that's the Clifton test, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did the Clifton test just recently as well. And it was super interesting to mm-hmm. get those results. Uh, for you, it was, it's mediator. For me, it was my activator was sort of right in, in the connecting part, mm. being able to put people together. So it's, it's super interesting. It what is. about, what about your weaknesses? What did it reveal for you? Um, you know, it's <laughs> one of the things that jumped out was I was over, um, you know, over passionate or overthinking things. And sometimes I am because, um, you know, I see it when I go home, it's it, something's on my mind. I just want to do it. I want to get it right. I don't stop until I, I figure out how to do things. Um, so if I'm overpassionate about something, um, it says it's a weakness, and I probably, <laughs> I think I can see it. You know, sometimes it takes away from me spending time with my family, or I'm stuck on my computer doing lessons and and things. And okay, you know what? Okay, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. Right. But um, you know, luckily I have a supportive family who understands, and you know, I'm doing it because I care, mm-hmm. um, you know, about what I do. So. Um, so in your in your classroom now, have you? I bet you've already started to think about hmm, 
thinking of kids in terms of <laughs> strengths and weaknesses <laughs> instead of maybe traditional grades or something like that. Definitely. I bet you've been thinking about that. I, I have. And um, this year we're moving over towards uh, standards-based grading, um, which I love. I, I wanted to start last year. I've actually just started um, during my second semester uh, teaching social studies. And, <clears throat> you know, I've seen the difference between the students because, you know, this, this is my second year teaching middle school. And I was shocked when my students came in and they're like, you know, how much points is this worth? What is my grade going to be? I was like, who cares? Just do the work. And, you know, I have these conversations with my students. And for me, I'm like, you know, I got to get away from this because that's all they care about. And I know that um, it might not be coming from them. Uh, they might be hearing it from, you know, their family or, you know, looking at colleges in, in the future and you know, it's grades, 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 grades. I said, okay, well, you're, you're missing the point. You know, you're missing the learning. So I had to step away. I had to... Um, do something different in the classroom. And so this year, we're fully going in with standards-based grading and um, slowly introducing the standards to my students. And, you know, they're making the connections on their own. Um, what did I do? Is it relevant? I mean, why am I doing this? Um, so I haven't even introduced, you know, what points are yet to them. Um, and more so just important in learning the skills and standards. That's all I can check off, check off, check off. So can you can you differentiate between, just for the, for our listeners, mm -hmm. Differentiate between standards-based grading mm -hmm. and traditional metrics like tests and mm -hmm. things like that. Like what? I mean, you might get people who are saying, "Well, why is that any different than the content mm -hmm. standards, the content information that we've been talking about for more than a hundred years?" This is what you have to have. So, what what are the differences there, so people understand what you're talking about? Um, well, you know, within our school system, we have. Um, uh, you know, certain percentages that we have to, you know, align to with, with letter grades. And I me, mean, I came from military. And in, in the military, um, in the Army, D is a passing grade. And if you pass with a D, um, you know, going in college and things, you're passing, like, it doesn't really say that you're, you're reaching those skills, those levels. You got a D, you passed. And I was the same way in college. Um, took writing electives, you know, um, uh, that's a requirement in college. I'm like, all I need is a D. I'm telling the teacher, all I need is a D. I don't care about these things, you know. That and that was stuck in my mind. So coming back into the classroom, um, I see the same thing. Students only care about the grade and not really about the learning. And that's just from my experience from the students that I teach. It doesn't, you know, paint a picture for everywhere. But um, with these letter grades, they don't really say much as regards as what they're actually learning as skills and content standards, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, so with the standards-based grading, I'm saying this student, this person um, has definitely reached this level, um, has maybe worked on this level, but is not very strong. This is where we, they can work on these. Um, and it paints a better picture, at least for the parents. Right. Um, and for me as a parent, for my student or for my kids, um, that's what I want to know. You know, what are they good at? Um, the A's, it doesn't matter for me, at least. I want to know if they, they're able to read and write. Right. You know, did you meet the standards? Okay, cool. You know, mm -hmm. and for that, that's the difference um, between standards-based and letter grades. It doesn't, it paints a, a better picture of the student's skills, I say. Right. right. So in, in doing my preparation for <laughs> this moment, um, one of the things that I picked up is that you, you are very definitely a teacher and you're very passionately <laughs> a teacher. You're also passionately a middle school <laughs> teacher, which is super interesting. On the other hand, 
you're also super active in the community, and mm -hmm. you've been active for a long time, even going back to Kaha Olave, mm -hmm. lots of things that you're doing. So, so my question is around what's the relationship between your work in the classroom and your work in the community? Oh. <laughs> and I think, I think part, partly what we're trying to do for listeners is to help them to understand that they too can have a relationship between mm -hmm. their work in the classroom and in the community, mm -hmm. but your experience, I think, would be valuable to them. <laughs> um, well, as a community collaborator, um, it's, I think it's very important. You know, the, our, our students, especially here in Hawaii, um, I cannot keep them locked up in the classroom. They, they have to go home. You know, they interact with the community, might as well get to know the people in their community and, you know, have active lifestyles outside of the classroom. Um, school doesn't only happen in school, and we all know that. It, learning happens at home. Um, so if I can engage and introduce these students to a network of people outside of the classroom or outside of school, um, you know, it might help them learn or gain some other experiences that are definitely life skills that they might not be able to learn in school. Um, you know, in our school, we don't have home ec. We don't have, um, you know, cooking or, or, you know, life skill types of classes. Where are they going to get those? At home, maybe. Um, but if I, can, if I can help at least introduce that network of people that could give them those skills, then I'm happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, community's happy, probably, you know. So if, it, if an educator is starting to edge closer to that idea mm -hmm. of reaching outside the classroom, mm -hmm. um, what's that step that they that they might take what is it in your experience what did you do the first time that sort of help you to bridge the the, the gap between your class and the community um conversations that's that's basically my first step um for myself being involved and and knowing the people that do things having these conversations outside of the classroom about education and bringing students in um that's Pretty much how it started. What's a what's like a specific example mm. uh, in your teaching of somewhere where you had something going on, and then you moved, you reached out into the community, and then that relationship started being built, and kids were impacted by that. Well, um, I guess, for example, last year, um, one of our our science teachers um, wanted to do a collaboration project, and um, I reached out into some you know of the scientific community and be like, hey, we have this idea, let's do something. You want to come in, talk story with the kids, share. And, um, you know, we just went for it. Um, it was a specifically a, a Hawaiian water unit. Hmm. So I reached out to this very well-known community member, um, Uncle Skippy Hao, and he loves working with kids. And so I brought him in. He brought in some hihi vice, some freshwater limpets that the kids got to measure, and we even got to eat a little bit later. But <laughs> right. that was the best part. <laughs> and give me a sense of what, what was going on in terms of the kids and their learning. What, what was happening with them during that process? They were engaged. They were engaged, you know, because it was relevant to their to their environment. Um, it was right in their backyard, the streams, the the, the fish, the hihivai that it came from, right in Eo Stream. Um, they were very familiar with the place, so they're like, "Oh, wow, this came from this place." They were excited to learn about what is in their backyard, um, and you know, just seeing the the, the expressions, the the interest in the students. I'm like, "Why can't I do this all the time?" That's it, right? <laughs> Hey, gang, stay with us. After this short break, we're going to come back and talk to Kui about his work at Kamehameha Schools Maui, what gets him excited about going to work each day. Um, and we'll get into the issue of engagement a little bit deeper. <laughs> stay with us. We'll be back.
By now, you should be feeling pretty inspired by this podcast and maybe even wondering what steps you might take to become more innovative in your own practice. The Schools of the Future Conference taking place October 2nd through 4th is the perfect place to connect with and be inspired by education innovators like the ones featured in this podcast. Now in its 11th year, the conference is innovative by design and is co-produced by the Hawaii Department of Education, the Hawaii Association of Independent Schools, Pillars of Peace at the Hawaii Community Foundation, and the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. To learn more about the Schools of the Future Conference and to register, visit www.sotfconf.org. Registration will remain open throughout the three-day conference. Hope to see you there. What's happening at Kamehameha Schools Maui that gets you pumped? I think, you know, the flexibility to create my own curriculum um, and collaborate with other teachers is is definitely, um, you know, driving for me with the go-to-school every day. Um, every day, you know, on the way to work, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how, what can we do today? What What's out there that we can collaborate with? We have conversations all the time, you know, um, cross-content con- conversations. So IDU, these things just kind of pop out. And um, the flexibility to create our own curriculum, I mean, that's... That's it. Do you feel like this is a, a shift in school culture at Kamehameha Schools Maui? Is it, is it not, was it always that way? Or are you guys all together as a faculty generally feeling like the same feeling that you have, that this is a day to, to create, to, to develop more collaboration? And I, I think it's definitely a shift. Um, I've only been with KS Maui for about two years. Um, prior to that, I was working at the University of Hawaii Maui College. Um, where I did have the flexibility to do whatever I wanted. Um, I taught Hawaiian language, Hawaiian studies, and I could do, you know, what I wanted to do. Before that, I was at Kamehameha Kapalama teaching Hawaiian language, and we did have a curriculum, we had, did have things, and there wasn't much collaboration going on, even though it was, um, uh, you know, asked of us to work with other teachers. Um, it really didn't happen. So KS Maui, my second year there, um, I'm seeing a different shift, I mean, totally from Kamehameha school system um, you know, more cross-content collaborations, um, talking about standards-based grading, the total shift from what I'm used to, right. um, especially going to school at Kamehameha Schools, it's, it's different. It's 100% different. Um, it wasn't really focused on Hawaiian culture, content, and this, you know, at Kamehameha Schools Maui, we're, we're in, encouraged to have these conversations with our students. Um, do you get a sense that you, you're you part of what's driving that shift, but you're also following <laughs> the shift at the same time? Um, like, like you're playing more and more of a role <laughs> in how that shift unfolds? So I I don't want to brag. <laughs> Go ahead and brag. Brag, man. But, uh, brag, you know, when on. I went, um, when I started work uh, at KS Maui, um, you know, I have, what am I going to teach? What's my What's my content area? Seventh grade social studies, history of the Hawaiian Pacific, and, you know, Pacific Island, you know, I was like, do I have to? And so, like, you don't have to. As soon as I got that word, you don't have to, I did whatever I wanted. You know, that was, I thought, was relative for the students. So last year, first semester, I did the canned kind of curriculum. Um, second semester, I started, um, you know, experimenting and going for there. And the teacher's like, how are you able to do that? I'm like, I'm just doing it. 
nobody's scolding me yet. It's better to ask for you know forgiveness than it right. is for permission. Right. So this year I'm all out. I totally changed um, you know the the content title. Now I'm calling it OEV Studies, and I'm doing more of a humanities curriculum rather than um, you know the history of Hawaiian Kingdom and you know regular things like that. So with that um, defining OEV, it's what makes us us. Right. Uh, so, you know, le- looking at current events, looking at all these things, um, encouraging the students to think on their own design thinking projects, project-based learning, um, getting the students engaged in their own learning, not me telling them what to learn. My, my whole philosophy is less me talking, more you talking. Um, and I get that from, as a language teacher. Um, I want them to have the conversations because I want to know that they're actually using the language. Uh, so taking that mentality into social studies, I mean, why can't it be the same? I want them to discuss. I want them to talk story. I want them to be interested in their learning um, and not me checking off, this is what you learned, and right. that's it. I had a similar experience when I was teaching at La Pietra, Hawaii mm-hmm. School for Girls. There was a there was a class called Contemporary Issues, and that mm-hmm. was the exact question I asked, like, do I have to? <laughs> and my department chair, she, to her eternal credit, said, no. And I blew it up. I just completely <laughs> blew it up into a course that it really I called Decision Making 101. Beautiful. And we spent an entire semester working on really big, complex mm-hmm. issues where the students had to make serious decisions in the, in, in the context of current issues. So mm-hmm. so kind of perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you about <laughs> um, about student engagement. Mm-hmm. So what what's the secret sauce for you? of reaching a higher level of, of student ga- engagement and purpose-driven learning and, and student voice? Like, how do you get kids pumped up about coming to school? <laughs> um, how do you do it as an educator? <laughs> okay. And how does how does KS Maui do it as a school? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, um, you know, I hear it from my students. They love coming to my class. Um, and just a few nights ago, we had our open house and, you know, parents coming in. They're like, oh, my, my kid talks about your class all the time. I'm like, well, mm. I don't do anything. You know, it's them talking. It's them having these discussions. And I guess giving them the opportunity to discuss with each other and talk with each other and, and have these big grown-up discussions, it, it's amazing. Um, just the other week, um, some of my students are like, why can't we vote? And I was like, that's wow. a great question. Write it on the board. You know, let's let's answer it. Right. Um, and, you know, it came out that, you know, what we think matters. So I'm like, beautiful. So let's let's work with that. So, you know, I, I encourage them to to have the freedom. And I think that's why they like coming to my I hope that's why. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. the so the flexibility that you're you're building in the classroom, mm-hmm. uh that you're not following a script mm-hmm, is giving them a sense that when they come to class, what's on their minds is important. Right. Does it feel like that? I think so. You know, we have a general topic, you know, in mind. And current events is definitely the big, um, I guess, ease, ease of my curriculum development right now. Things are happening in the community. I can take that and work off of it. It's beautiful. Um, and just having an overall topic and just having these discussions um, I think that totally helps with the students because they're they're interested in it. You know, they're it's relative for them. They're living it. This is things that they have to live with. And one of the biggest things is these people, you know, above us, the adults who who vote, they're making decisions for us. Right. So you know, giving them that encouragement to speak out and have a voice um, for my class, especially, I think is right is easy for them to come to. Yeah. Right. You know, on your website. Um, 
you write very movingly about your childhood, <laughs> and um, and I'm kind of connecting it to what we've been talking about mm-hmm. about engagement, right? Because it, it feels like sometimes we have to leave our childhood behind mm-hmm. when we go to school. Um, so you write very movingly about your childhood and about uh, your parenthood mm-hmm. as well. And I'm wondering if you can connect those two. That how does <laughs> your your childhood and your parenthood and your work as a teacher, like what are the relationships um, between the three and how do they inform your work as an educator? <laughs> um, you know, looking at my, my childhood experiences, um, definitely had these opportunities to to learn outside of the classroom with my with my father, especially um, going out into the community, working, you know, Hawaiian issues. And my dad, real old Hawaiian style, he'd look at me, he'd give me just that one look, and I know that I did wrong. You I know, know that I, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do something, he looks at me, and I'm like, oh, I got to do it again, you know, or do something. Um, and I catch myself oftentimes, you know, doing that to my children. And um, they know the look of disappointment, but at the same time, it was encouraging when mm-hmm. I was a child. And so I definitely try to reinforce that with my children at home. It's like, I'm, you know, proud of you, good job, doing all these these reinforcement kind of things, um, just so that they don't give up. Right. And I think that's what I relate to when, you know, when I was young, is I was encouraged not to give up. I just always go for it and continue doing, because, you know, I, I knew I was getting there. Um, so when I take that to the classroom, um, you know, I that sticks in my mind. Right. Always encourage doing your you're doing a good job and you know I've took that out like oh you you're doing bad you know I, I don't like that um, you're getting a zero because you failed to do this so I'm like well what are we going to work on so um, I've actually looked at Andy these triangulation of learning um, mm. which I'm, I'm starting to implement in my classroom and I find it encouraging you know the learning the, the observations the conversations with the student I think is important cool yeah <laughs> Hey, everybody, stay with us. We'll be back in just a second. After this short break, we're going to be talking to Kui about the turbulent waters between the 20th and the 21st century. We'll be back shortly. Within a generation of 25 years, Kamehameha Schools sees a thriving Lahui where our learners achieve post-secondary and educational success. To this end, Kamehameha Schools is proud to share Halau Inana Makapa'akea, an innovation and collaboration space where Native Hawaiian learners converge as a new generation of OEV leaders, innovators, indigipreneurs, and entrepreneurs. The Halau will host and curate various programs, events, and activities that foster OEV leadership development, creative thinking, and problem-solving, innovation, prototyping, and incubation. So I've been thinking a lot, Kui, about um, what I call the two circles. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, you have one circle that is the 20th century, and it's spinning pretty regularly, pretty slowly at about 40 miles an hour clockwise. And then right above it is, and separate from it, is a separate circle, which is the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And today it might be 40 miles an hour, but tomorrow it might be 140 miles mm-hmm. an hour. It's what Tom Friedman calls the age of acceleration. Mm-hmm. And it's the area between the two circles. Imagine it as turbulent waters, uh, or imagine it this way, that two va'a, two canoe, are moving towards each other at really rapid rates of speed. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get out of one and into the other as the as the other passes by. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. So the waters in between the two circles 
are filled with people who are with educators who are swimming from the 20th to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the 20th and 21st. It could be just from one thing to another, one way of teaching to another way of teaching. But those waters are interesting to me. They're part, they're part psychiatric ward, part shark infested, <laughs> part, part, you know, just absolutely crazy, but exhilarating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of that. So I'm, I'm super interested in your work at KS Maui, but your work juxtaposed against the work of other educators at your school mm-hmm. and at other charter and public schools, and what you might be doing to help people get through those turbulent waters mm-hmm. to that other side. Um, well, I, I guess it goes back to conversations. Um, you know, every day, if during recess or if I have a, a prep period or free time or anything, I actually go visit the other teachers and I talk story I just you know how are you doing you need help with anything um and that's you know for me it's a, it's a starter and I think with KS Maui um I'm lucky because there's a real it's a smaller community um the teachers know each other we 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 have fun with each other we have these gatherings we do all these things outside and um it's easier for me to connect with them so just by having these conversations, you know, encouraging them, like, hey, why don't you do this? Um, for example, math. Okay. Um, math right now has a Canva curriculum. They, they're they required to do these steps every day. And so I'm like, well, you know, what are we going to do to tie that into Hawaiian culture-based education? And, you know, the, unfortunately, we don't have that freedom to design. And I'm like, well, what about, you know, as I, let's, let's draw a lo'i on the board and, you know, put... Um, you know, how many kalo can we plant? You know, what is the, the volume of water? Do the math, do all these things. And we can make it relevant. We, we can. And um, we could go outside. We have like a little a little garden outside. I was like, we can do a whole lesson here, you know, um, planting kalo. You know, we can make grid lines. We can make all of these things. It shapes patterns. Um, just having those conversations and putting ideas into other teachers' heads mm-hmm. for collaboration, I think, is um, it's a good start. But Kui, if you, if you, I can hear people, I can hear our listeners, I can hear what's going on in their brains, right? <laughs> and what they're saying is, yeah, okay, Kui, that's middle school. But as mm-hmm. the kids go into high school, they, they're on college track. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we have time to go outside and, and measure or do math in the garden. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you respond when people, you know, voice it that way? Well, I probably answer, but why not? <laughs> you know, um, for me, you know, having an open mind, it's key. It's key. And trying new things, it's that's what I encourage from my, my own kids, my kids. Like, you didn't even try yet. Why not? You know, right. just try it. You don't know. It might work. You might, it might not. And at least you tried. Right. If you fail, who cares? You right. failed. You're learning. <laughs> right. So, you know, for high school, um, yes, college track, we don't have the time, but I taught high school. So I taught language in high school, and I had that fight, you know, with, with my department heads. Like, I can't even take my kids outside of the classroom. Why not? Right. You know, um, language is a living thing. When I taught language, it's like, we got to go outside. We got to experience. We got to see these things for it to be relevant yeah. for our kiki. Um, inside the, the classroom, sometimes they don't see that bigger picture, you know. I, uh, I fought that fight yeah. as well <laughs> about getting outside across history, across mm-hmm. wine studies, across economics mm-hmm. and, and current issues. It felt to me like the, the, the secret sauce there was an administrator who backed you. Mm-hmm. If you were going to take that trip, if you were going to go on that field trip, and I did want to ask you about field trips, by the way, because <laughs> you talk about that on your, on your site, right? Right. So, Kui, what makes for an awesome field trip? And I can hear people saying, oh, my God, field trip. <laughs> field trip is just a fun thing to do one day, but it's, where's the learning in that? Right. What's an awesome field trip? 
Um, you know, if it's relevant to what we're learning, obviously. Um, well, so summer over the summer, we, we had many, you know, um, experiments um, outside of the classroom. Um, we went up to Watershed where we could tie in all these different learnings. And what was great is the people that we collaborated with mm. were exactly like us. Um, they were my friends. They happened to be my friends. So we could have these conversations. We could have these um, communications about what the kids are actively learning in school. How can we tie that in to this place of learning? Um, and when they got to go outside, you know, everything tying in together, every 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 little bit, like, I get it now. You know, right. seeing it out in the community, um, seeing how math is applied, you know, outdoors. Because um, we often hear that, like, when am I ever going to use this, you know? Yeah. Um, but when we go outside and use it, um, right. you know, I get those, oh, like, oh, okay, Kumo, I get it, I get it, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, that's a, that's a successful field trip. When the student says they get it, they understand it, they see it. Right. That works. I had a, I had a, an example at La Pietra again when I was teaching there, you know, typical in a U.S. history class, you might come up with the bright idea to put Abraham Lincoln on trial for <laughs> for, for suspending habeas corpus, you know, mm-hmm. during the Civil War. I decided to have him tried in court. Mm. So I had a friend who is a circuit court judge. And on a day when he didn't have anything on the docket, our students came down and put Lincoln on trial in front of the judge. And I even had one student tell me that she almost threw up before she went oh. into the courtroom <laughs> because she was so stressed out right, about being right. a prosecutor. So, But I, I hear you about the reality mm-hmm. of getting outside and, and seeing what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. Um, quick question about um, learner profiles mm. for our listeners. Um, you talk on your site and in some of your writings about, about learner profiles, about kupu, about liko, about pua and hua. Um, and, and also something called a new life term. So what, what is that? Can you describe that for our listeners? Um, so those terms <clears throat> came from a rubric, you know, that we're required to do tri-campus at Kamehameha Schools. It's called the AOLA, you know, standards, learner, learner outcomes. Um, so that ru- rubric, the kupu, uh, liko, pua, and hua, it's, you know, sprouting, budding, and flowering, and, you know, fruiting. Wow, awesome. Um, you know, and it, it, it talks about where they are. So it's it's back to standards base, and, you know, instead of the one, two, three, four kind of thing, it's like, oh, you're growing, you're understanding, you're meeting, you're achieving, you know. Um, and so this new, you know, skill, new life learning, new event kind of thing is we still have to figure out that term, you know. And for me, I, I kind of created my own, you know, and I take it from this task um, mentality that's definitely cultural, um, and it's it's called tena. It's it's a niihau um, kind of you know framework of of learning, hmm. and so it's you know you're unaccustomed, you're practicing, you're accustomed, and then you're teaching. Wow, you know, and you think about it when we do tasks, you don't know how to do a task. I'll show you. So it's similar to like a we do, mm-hmm. um, you do, or you know I you know yep. the I do we do you do kind of thing. Um, so we take that and, okay, so I translate it into to Hawaiian. Same thing, simple. You're unaccustomed, you're practicing, you're accustomed, you're very comfortable with it, and then you're teaching. Wow. Um, and that, I think, encourages the student to be like, okay, well, rate yourself. Where are, where do you think? You know, you need more practice? Be honest, you know? Um, and that engages conversations for me. Um, so when we talk about going back to that that rubric, the kupu, liko, um, pua, and hua kind of thing, it's it's really the same thing. And it's not to put the students down. It's not to give, you know, a negative connotation to anything. It's just, right. it's okay. You're learning. Right. You know, let's practice. It, it doesn't matter if you're failing, you know, not meeting those standards yet. It's just we're learning. Right. We know how to work harder. Right. That's all. 
Cool. You're a you're a graduate of the Kealaula Institute. I am. <laughs> can you can you talk a, a little bit about what Kealaula is, and what you've gained from that experience? Um, so Kealaula is um, you know a program that encourages a different type of thinking and and collaboration within the KS network. Um, what it introduced to me is that I can do things, um, I can create things, I can do things without. Um, you know, any fear from backlash or anything. Mm-hmm. So I get the administrator support. I get the support within the school system to be creative and, and try things out and have a vast network of people that already did it. I can right. learn from their, their mistakes, their trials, their errors, you know, their successes. Um, and then we can collaborate co- across campus. Right. Um, so I was in the third cohort. Um, the fourth cohort is coming up pretty soon. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, definitely there to, to, to help them out, mentor, um, instruct, and, you know, help mm-hmm. share what I know. <laughs> That's cool. I know that Kealaula takes you on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you guys have gone to California? We have. Uh, just so quick side question. What, <laughs> can you name one place that really stood out for you uh, uh, on your on your journey outside of Hawaii? It's a Millennium Middle School, I think, really definitely stuck out. In California? In, yeah, San Francisco. Got it. Um, and they were... They were everything that I wanted to do. Um, wow. You know, it came to um, their advisory program was very well set. They had circle time every single morning. It was student-led. Um, they had these things called quests where, um, you know, it was it's, it's much like design thinking and project-based learning. But they let the kids roam the city. Right. You know, it's like, here's your quest today. You know, go down to this store, interview the shop owner, and come back. Teacher, teacher stands out on the side of the road and the kids are just walking down the street, coming back. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, imagine, could KS do this? I don't think so, you know. <laughs> right, right. But Sounds like you were inspired. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's very cool. <laughs> so, Kui, we're, we're at the end of our time, but I want to end each of these podcast episodes with the same question. Because it's the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast series, I want to ask you, if you could talk a little bit about what you think school could be, okay. what's what's your vision around that? And and we've already talked about places like um, Millennium, right, mm-hmm. in San Francisco. But what could school be to you? Um, you know, school could be, oh, geez, anywhere. Um, it doesn't have to be confined. It could be outside in the learning. Why not? You know, say you're going to Kamehameha schools, um, you know, Makai campus and you go outside into the ocean that's your school school can be anywhere here in Hawaii um, it doesn't have to be behind doors so we have something very unique here which is place mm-hmm. and culture mm-hmm. and uh, maybe even more unique than anywhere else in the country or, or maybe even in the world <laughs> and you're one of the people who's leading us forward into that thank you very much Kui this has been an awesome conversation I really appreciate you being uh-huh. on the show today Find the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as at mltsinhawaii.com. Join the ongoing conversation across social media. Look for Most Likely to Succeed in Hawaii on Facebook, at MLTS in Hawaii on Instagram, and at MLTS in Hawaii on Twitter. Tag your posts with hashtag what school could be, hashtag deeper learning, hashtag edchat, and hashtag education. Our next interviews will be recorded on Saturday, 
September 28th. You can join us in the studio through the magic of Facebook Live. Find us at the Most Likely to Succeed in Hawaii Facebook page. We want to hear from you. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to mltsinhawaii at gmail.com. If you love this podcast series, we would really appreciate a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help us reach a wider audience of innovative educators. And please, feel free to share this series with colleagues, friends, and family. Your host is Josh Rapoon. Our technical producer is Ryan Ozawa. Post-production is by Hawk Media Productions, the digital media program at Kealakehe Intermediate School. Editors for this episode are AJ Rosario and me, May Kanata, under the guidance of Matthew Williams. Learn more at hawkmediaproductions.com. And special thanks to Ted Dintersmith, author and education change agent. Class dismissed.